My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food, or weight, never ever, not even, one time, not ever, ever, ever. Welcome to today's podcast. This is Laura Lee Rourke, and the podcast is called It's Not About Food. Our show today is about spirituality. The card has a woman standing with the sun over her head with a big, bright beam of sunlight all around her, and her dear animal person is with her and is looking at her, and there's sunlight all around the deer's head. And for me, the whole card is about just that idea that we are so much more than just our eating disorder or our size or whatever it is that we're struggling with, that we have a spirit and the spirit knows already how to get through anything that you're going to put in your way. So the card reads, at the heart of every person is a yearning from the deepest part of our souls that must be heard. It is a desire to awaken, embrace our whole selves, and see past the limitations we have put on ourselves. It is the knowing that we are connected with a universal love and a spiritual presence that holds the flame of our true essence of love and light. When we begin to accept that each of us was born with a divine spirit, then we can stop the struggle with defining ourselves as good or bad by our body size or the food we eat. We can then move on to simply expressing our true selves. And I feel like this is a lot to ask of us who are struggling with an eating disorder to remember that We are body, mind, and spirit, because I forgot that a lot of the time. I thought there was a spirit, but it was not the same as me, and it was off to the side or really high up in the sky or who knew where it was, but I did not think of myself as body, mind, and spirit. I thought of myself as only a body, and the body didn't really work very well. But this part about at the heart of every person is a yearning from the deepest part of our souls For me, it was sort of like that part of me was not going to bow down to my eating disorder or to rules or expectations or shoulds that had put on myself for a really long time. It wanted me to love myself for me. The deepest part of my soul was really asking me to love me unconditionally, which I had no experience of doing, and I didn't feel like I even had a model for that. So once I sort of got that, it was really my spirit that I needed to love unconditionally. And then that would help me love my mind or my feelings. And then that would help me love my body. Eventually, that was a really wonderful part of my recovery that I could kind of wrap my head around a little bit more. And like the last line, then we can move on to simply expressing our true selves. So I had no idea what my true self was. I felt like my true self was a size zero or my true self had a perfect body and face and hair. And my true self had a perfect job and a perfect boyfriend. My true self had a perfect car and was very perfect all the time. 
And of course, that wasn't my true self. I was much more messy than that. (laughs) I, I was much more human than that. So I was always upset. I was always struggling with that. Once I sort of got the idea that I can just be myself and that would be good enough, or not even good enough, but actually great, it took a long time to get there. I'm not going to lie. It took a long time to get there. But once I got there, I never lost it. So then I felt like even if parts about the eating disorder or life in general or things I was working on still came up, I still had that really very strong place to go back to, which was my universal love and a spiritual presence. And I could go there and remember what I was doing and what I was here for and what my path was. So I am really glad to introduce my next guest. She is somebody I feel like that has gotten this 100% and has stepped into this really wonderful place And I'm just very honored to know her. And I'll let her explain what she's doing these days and hang out and we'll have a talk. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Yeah. It had been a long time. So I used to come to the groups you did at Beyond Hunger years ago. So it had been a long time since I had looked through the body love cards I just love them. And it was really hard to choose one because everyone that I was going through, I was like, yes, yes, yes. Like they encompass so many different facets of recovery and of being a human and a woman in this society. But the spirituality one really stuck to me because I think it's really where I am right now in my recovery. And again, just like being in this world. I think one of the things that's been really deepening my practice lately is a concept that I don't know if it originated from the women at Body Positive or if it's just something that they really teach, but talking about like holding our lineage in our body yeah, and how I think back to times, whether recent or long ago, where I was really deep in suffering, like dissatisfaction with my body or the way that I looked or Mm -hmm. preoccupation with food or whatever it was. And it's so narrow. It's such a narrow perspective and it's so limiting. It's so self-absorbed. And I say that not demeaning way to myself or anybody who's in that space, but it's just kind of inherently like focused on the self. And think about it. That's really the slimmest part of us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The thinnest part of us is the perspective of us, Mm. of what we think we should be doing or whatever. Yeah, that just opened things up for me so much. Mm -hmm. It just really broadened my perspective because I have so much respect and love and connection to a lot of people in my family, but, Mm -hmm. you know, the women in my family, you know, my mom and my grandmother and people who I haven't met in my family who passed away before, but who I know are a part of me. And it's really helped me in a lot of facets of my life when I'm feeling insecure or like I just need some sort of strength or perspective to just remember that like I'm holding Mm -hmm. all of them in my body. Right. I love a 
from the body positive, Elizabeth will say something like, you know, I inherited my mom's china and her silver and her thighs. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really incredible perspective. And I think the other thing in terms of spirituality that's really broadened my perspective and deepened my recovery is just kind of remembering that we're all linked yes in this deep way right. and that you know we're not individuals in mm-hmm. this world like we're mm-hmm. all connected by something and as i started to just uncover this whole system that mm-hmm. like keeps people obsessed with food and their bodies and weight and separate. Yeah. And like uh-huh. who's benefiting from that, right? Like right. who's making money from that? Who's experiencing power from that? Who's being disempowered from that? It gave me this sort of strength. Not only do I want to step out of that because of myself, because that's not in line with my values, but also because I don't want other people to suffer right. either. You know, like the more that I suffer with that, the more that we all play a part in suffering. That's right. With that. That's right. So I know that you're working with clients and I wonder if this kind of stuff comes up for you at all in your work with what you're doing for your life right now. You know, it's interesting. So I work with folks who have severe and persistent mental health issues. So it's often kind of on the under in terms of priorities of what we're addressing. It's not at the forefront. But where I work is kind of really starting to talk more about eating disorders and to bring that into the conversation. And it's just made me think a lot more about it, that it's so easy for me and the work that I do to focus on the things that kind of cause the most disruption in people's lives. And for the folks that I'm working with, that's often not their relationship with their body and food. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, like that's still such a part. Yes. Especially when you're looking at things like poverty and marginalization and lack of access to food choice, right? And food access. Those are such deep wounds that affect our relationship to ourselves and our bodies and food. So yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot more and I haven't quite figured out how to integrate it into my work yet. Cause like I said, the role that I'm in and what we're often focusing on is more immediate basic needs. Right. But it's still so critical. It is. And I think about that, the idea that somebody has a mental illness, the idea of recovery from an eating disorder is that you care and love yourself enough to go through the recovery. And it's going to be the same thing with a mental illness is that at some point the person has to choose, well, can I recover as much as I can recover? And will I stay with myself as I do? And I know that's sometimes hard to do when you have a mental illness, you know, that takes up all the air in the room, but there's still a place for self-love and self-care and self-acceptance and self-respect. And it's hard to do that when you feel like you have much choice. Yeah. Such a spectrum too. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think I know for me, because I never reached a point where I like externally looked like the stereotypical vision of someone who had an eating disorder that I didn't get help 
for it for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the case for a lot of people. It is, for sure. so many people who, the vast majority of people who don't look like a thin, young, white female who have really disordered, harmful relationships with food and their body. I'm really trying to remember that too and remind myself of that and just live that way, assuming that maybe all of us to some degree (laughs) have this sort of disruption in the way that we look at food and Mm -hmm. our bodies because we just live in this culture that's really harmful. Yes, I know. I felt like uh, somebody told me when I was first getting recovery from my eating disorder, someone said, find a natural eater and just do what they do. And I was sort of, well, I don't even know one person like that, I don't think. I have to really think hard. Mm -hmm. Or somebody who really just is okay with their body no matter what. I think everybody has to be under one years old in order to have that. Where They still think their bodies are great and they still are eating intuitively. Other than that, we get away from it so fast and for really far out into left field about it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's so true. I was with a friend and her family the other night, and she has a daughter who's a little bit under 10. And we went to this little store and her daughter wanted to have ice cream and a sandwich. And Mm -hmm. she asked her mom if she could have the ice cream. And her mom was just so just, yeah, have whatever you want. Do what your body is asking so you to do, great. you know? Yay. I know. <laughs> and I just was like, yes. And it just made me think about, I mean, I didn't have any kind of overt messaging that was super harmful, but a lot of covert yes. messaging oh, about just there. like being kind of ashamed of your body and having to be mindful of what you eat and not buying new clothes until you lose weight and all of these things, yes. right? And, yeah. And I just, it was such a beautiful like representation of like, what is the problem with that? Right. right? Like to just have ice cream before right. dinner or Because to like- you would think, oh, we'll have the sandwich first. And then if you're still hungry, you can have ice cream. But what a concept of a little girl little boy, they're like, well, I'll just have them both. <laughs> what's the, pro- what's right. the problem and with that? And in the order that I prefer. In any- <laughs> one bite of one thing, one bite of another thing. And it's the grown-ups, it's us that haven't had that freedom for a really long time that think, I don't know if that's the best thing to do. But I do love when we're around little kids and they just come out with these like, well, I'm not really sure why we're even talking about this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me neither. I don't know. Yeah. So let's move along. Yeah, Yeah, totally. And that part that you were saying, like you didn't look the part of an eating disorder, whatever that we think that looks like. But I think that I didn't either. And people would say, but you look fine. And I'd say, well, yeah, but I'm not fine. It was hard enough to come out of denial myself, but then had to convince everyone else to come out of denial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was very discouraging for me because then I would second guess myself. Well, maybe I'm just a really bad eating disorder person, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that I'm not showing it on the outside, but I don't know. Uh, it was so awful to be in that nobody believed me sort of place. Yeah. Or I just was under the radar so much. Yeah. I think that's the real danger of making comments about the way that other people look. And I feel like it's very common among women 
or men to women, women to women. Yeah. And you just don't know what somebody is doing or what somebody's going through. I mean, there could be someone going through cancer treatments and you're making comments about the way that they look like. We just don't know what's going on with someone. And it just seems like it can be really harmful. And a lot of people I've talked to have said during periods where they were really doing a lot of like harmful things to themselves were the times where they got the most reinforcement it's from the so culture. True. Yes. I remember somebody saying something about my weight and I thought to myself, I didn't say it. I would say it now. <laughs> I didn't say it then. It's like, you know, I have cancer. And that's what's going on with me. But I just was, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> good. I look good. Okay. Then that must be the only thing important. It's such a weird thing. And a minute ago, you said, who benefits from that? We have to look at this other side of body hatred or eating disorders, disordered eating. And who benefits from making us feel like that? Yeah. So much in our capitalist society comes down to money, right? And if we truly love ourselves and love each other and create like an active culture of expressing that love, there's not a lot of money to be made in that, right? Like there's entire (laughs) industries that would collapse. Yes. And so that my kind of justice muscle when I was going through my recovery, when I kind of uncovered that for myself, I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, that really gave me more strength to just be like, I do not want to participate in this. This is so unjust to so many people. Yeah. And just as you were talking, it's sort of like we all agree that this is the way to be until one of us or a bunch of us step out and say, no, it's not. And then everybody else is freaked out about that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But eventually, I think we'll get there. I remember when Carol and I started Beyond Hunger, it was 1988. And we really talked about this. Well, we'll do this for a few years. And then the problem will be over because surely everybody's going to get that diets don't work. But we never saw the internet coming. We never saw social media I mean, I still don't really understand Snapchat, but the point (laughs) is, is it just took another horrible way of getting through. Even if people will say straight face to you, well, I know diets don't work, but I do have to watch my calories. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's not it. Yeah. And I think I'm reading this book by Bell Hooks right now, and was just reading it this morning. And she said something about the concept that just because we're talking about an issue more doesn't mean that we're working towards resolution of it. And I was like, yeah, that's really true. You know, so you true. see that in so many capacities, whether it's like mental health or that's right. you know, race or so many things. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, we're having a lot of conversations about it, but I like, know. is this, where are we moving the needle or are we moving the needle? I don't know. It's true. Yeah. And I think underneath And this is what I'm like continuing to just educate myself on. But underneath a lot of these conversations about like love of our body or hatred of our body is really just this fear 
of fatness. Yes. You know, and like fat phobia. Yes. And that's, I kind of feel the conversations that I've been having before recently have been skirting around that issue. That's right. And it's like, that's what's underneath all of this. We're so afraid if we let go, we'll be fat. And if we're fat, we're unlovable or whatever. I'm thinking about this. I was in Italy and I went to this really great indoor pool, a spa pool, and it was hot springs. And what I noticed in this pool was everybody was in a bathing suit. And these are small bathing suits, (laughs) very small for men and for women, small, small bathing suits. And everybody's in a bathing suit. Nobody has a cover up. Nobody's walking around with a towel. Nobody is just like slinking from the deep end across the floor on their belly and then up on a chase and then with a towel on top of them. No, everybody's just walking right out of the pool, walking over to the snack bar. Maybe a part of their bathing suit is up one side of their cheek and they don't care. They didn't pull it down. (laughs) Somebody's top is not tied in a perfect bow and... They don't care. They're just all good. We're here to swim in the hot water and get healing, and we don't care. And to me, it's like, what made that happen? Well, it's never changed. That's always been like that. We haven't infected them (laughs) enough. (laughs) Mm. You know, I mean, I think the youth are not as free, but it's such a cultural thing that, no, we're okay with our Italian bodies. We're okay with it. So just whatever thing you're doing, whatever. But we're okay with our bodies here. I know they have eating disorders and they have body hatred, but it's not anything like it is here. Because here, the shuck and jive you have to go through to put on a bathing suit, (laughs) to get in water, and then to get out, it's a job. It's horrible. Nobody wants to ever do it. Yeah. All the joy is taken I out know. of it. Yeah. I know. Yeah. As you were describing that, I'm like, that's so beautiful. Like it's such a, you <laughs> it's just so get to normal. like, yeah, you just get to be. Yes. Like you yeah. just get to live your life right. and be joyful and right. experience an experience, yes. right? Without all that noise. Right. right. And there's a, A woman uh, I know in Sacramento who every year does something she calls a chunky dunk. So she rents a pool. She invites everybody, no matter what size you are, get in a bathing suit and get in the pool. No judgment, no nothing. And we're all here together. And it is such a beautiful thing. It's the closest I know to that experience in Italy that time. Yeah. But they really have to set it up. They have to be more intentional about it. Exactly. And everybody has to agree that I'm going to just jump in there. I don't care, you know, and it's very healing. Yeah. And it takes a lot of bravery in our culture because not everybody is on the same page about that, right? Like about whatever body size you have being okay. I mean, I think it's gotten kind of hidden in this wellness culture. So it's not as like, I don't know, Mm -hmm. when I was growing up, like in the 80s and 90s, there was very much like a diet culture, you know, like Mm -hmm. Weight Watchers and Mm -hmm. Jenny Craig and Mm -hmm. now it's not like that. So it's even harder to spot. It's like a very very, health oriented culture. And if you don't have a certain body size, then you're not healthy. That's right. Yeah. 
And that's really problematic. Right. It's sort of like, well, this isn't a diet, but it's a lifestyle choice. Mm -hmm. But it is a diet. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Let us tell you. (laughs) Because if you're doing it right, you're going to be thin. Yeah. And if you're not thin, then you must not be doing it right. Taking into no consideration of your saying of these, the women before you are the women that will come after you. The lineage of our bodies takes in, well, maybe that person is from this part of the world that needs this. And then this person came from this. And then we're all mixed up together here in America. So who even knows? Yeah. But I tell my students when I go in and talk about eating disorders, if you really want to know what you're supposed to look like when you get older, look at your ancestors. There's no denying DNA. Yeah. <laughs> it wants to come forward, just like your eye color or your skin color or anything else. So how do we, again, link this back to being spiritual beings and come from that? I feel like a spiritual being is loving and kind and open and compassionate. So how do we get that? How do we get that when we have these fears that we're going to be fat or we're going to be you know, we're not going to eat right or we're not going to be in the wellness group or whatever (laughs) this percentile. I think it's probably different for everybody. But for me, A, it's like a daily practice. I think it's taken me a lot of time to realize I'm never really going to get there. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) I'm going to grow and progress and deepen and all of those things, but there's no panacea that I'll get to where everything is just great and I am just, everything's perfect. So I think accepting that and kind of committing to myself that this is a practice and being loving towards myself and other people. And this is another thing that I'm learning a lot from reading bell hooks is love as an action, not as like this passive kind of Mm -hmm. searching for it from other people or trying to manipulate myself in order to receive love, but to be truly spiritual or to live a spiritual life is like, to me, living love towards myself and other people as an action. And I just can't do anything that's disrespectful to myself my body, my spirit, without hurting and harming myself and other people. Yes. So it's like I have to keep coming back to that. Yes. Coming back to like the most basic thing. Wait, if this is about love, then what am I doing? And to buffer it back enough that, well, I'm learning to love myself or I'm learning to learn how to learn how to love myself, (laughs) you know, however way back you need to go. Before you can say, okay, I love myself and I'm not going to do this to me anymore. Yeah, because the last thing we want to do is kind of use the fact that we're not loving towards ourselves as a way to kind of (laughs) self-flagellate further. That's right. Damn it, I'm not loving myself. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just not lovable, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just kind of honoring where we are. And I think for me, kind of always coming back to my values. I think the times when I've experienced the most like suffering and even during recent times, I look at myself and I'm like, I'm not 
living in my value system. Something has gone awry here and I'm like, I'm not being honest with myself or I'm not being with integrity or I'm not being respectful or whatever. And that was very much the case when I was hyper-focused on my body and food. I was so out of alignment with (laughs) what I really think is true in life. Well, yeah, because when we get all twisted up about, did I eat one bite of a potato chip too many? We forget that we're all this other beautiful thing. We're a wonderful daughter, good friend, or nice dog owner, or (laughs) good worker, whatever. We just become the bad potato chip eater person. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which is not even true. Right. At all. At the end of the day, and this is like something, again, that I'm working with every day, I want to believe that we're just good just as humans, Mm -hmm. you know, like regardless of like what we do, we don't have to do anything or be anyone to be like basically good, (laughs) you know, like they talk about in Buddhism. Mm -hmm. We just are that. We're in this culture that's, I don't know, like meritocratic in terms of needing to do things to be good. I think that for me, just like coming back to that, I'm just good as I am. And it makes me feel like I don't have to change myself in order to get there. What you're reminding me of is how like a little baby feels about himself. They're good with themselves. (laughs) (laughs) You might be the problem because you didn't come fast enough with the bottle, but they're okay with them. And I remembered when my mom had Alzheimer's, at some point in her Alzheimer's, she was good with herself. She had lost that ability to kind of think that she wasn't okay. She was more like an infant in that way. For a long time, she couldn't believe how fat she was. And then that went away and she was just okay with being there, whatever it was. It's too bad you have to be like a tiny infant or lose your mind. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what strikes me about that is Mm -hmm. she lost her mind and that was what it took. Right. Which should be okay. Yeah. Which is like heartening in a sense, because I think (laughs) that we all can work with that story and that narrative that's happening in our mind. It's much harder (laughs) when it's still like there. (laughs) Right. But it's all there. You know, like it's all, it's all in your mind. Right. Exactly. Because I know that you've probably had the same thing happen to you. Somebody loves you for you. They don't see what you're seeing. They actually do see your spirit. They see a beautiful person. They love you very much. They don't see all these flaws that you come up with. And the same way when you're looking at somebody who you love. And if we could look at ourselves with the eyes of love that our friends love us for is, I think, the lifelong work maybe to keep thinking, wait, I know she would not say this about me. What would my best friend say about me? I know she wouldn't say this standing in front of the mirror. She just wouldn't do it. Right. Yeah. And I think couple that with really finding, for me, it's like finding some sort of place in this movement that's really challenging the way that we look at fatness. Because the reality is, is that I say that it's all in your mind and that's partially true, but there's also like a real culture that is hateful and discriminatory towards people with larger bodies. Definitely. So it's like, that's the other piece that needs to be dismantled. Right. We have to realize we're in a misogynistic, racist, fatism, ageism. That is alive and well here in America, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And we just don't have to agree with it. So is there any 
anything that you want to say that you don't feel like you've said or you want to make a bigger point about? Can't think of anything. Okay. Yeah. I really appreciate you talking about this. It's hard to talk about spirituality in this or faith in this culture because everybody's, oh, you're going to talk about God and then my head's going to explode or whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> we have to. We do have to talk about everything. It is true. And let ourselves be who we are. Yeah. And I will say just one more thing that, and this may not be the right thing for everybody because I know people have complex relationships with religion and prayer and whatnot. But for me, what's been really helpful and not even praying to a God, because I don't Mm -hmm. know even what I believe in, but I believe that there's something bigger than us. And kind of making that a part of my practice too, of just kind of praying in the mornings Mm -hmm. and just kind of opens me up and makes me feel like I'm not just in this world by myself. There's some kind of greater being that's with me in this process. Yes. That's been really healing. It is really healing. I have recently lost somebody very close to me, a good friend, and remember talking to her not very long before she died. And I said, so what do you think's going to happen after this? And she just got this little smile. She goes, I don't really know, but I think it's going to be fun. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to take that one. <laughs> she goes, it's pretty vast, isn't it? I was like, it is. It's oh, huge. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So just to wrap up, if you knew somebody, a young girl who about the time that you were starting to develop your eating disorder and body hatred, if you could talk to her, what would you tell her about what she's going to hit and what to remember about herself? Mm, I love that question. I mean, I think I would just let her know that she's perfectly imperfect (laughs) the way that she is, you know, and that create an environment where we can talk openly about all of the messages that are going to come at her explicitly and implicitly, and that she needs to change the way that she is in order to receive love and to receive acceptance. And that all of that is not truth. Yeah, I feel like just honesty and that openness to talk about the reality of it. I mean, I just think about myself at that age and I was so insecure and wanting love and acceptance. And that was the only way I knew how to get it. You know, and I think who knows what sort of path I would have gone down regardless, but I had had a lot of women in particular who communicated that message to me that like you're about to go into this world where you receive all of this messaging and like we want you to know and and for them to model that as well for themselves. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful thing if we could somehow beam that into every young person's brain, the boys and the girls of like, you know what? It gets better. Yeah. This is a really hard time. Don't believe what you're hearing about yourself. It's not true. You're much bigger than this and much more powerful and much greater. So would you like to read the... Yeah. Today I will practice reminding myself that my spiritual self is who I really am. 
When I find myself obsessing about my food or weight, I will take a deep breath, be still, and listen to my deepest yearnings and guidance. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Laura Lee. Hey, (laughs) see you later. Okay. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.